Hi, thank you for tuning in to the Finding Harmony podcast with me, your host, Harmony Slater. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm so happy you're here joining us today. It's so interesting when we start on this journey of yoga, often we come to the practice for purely physical benefits, maybe for stress management, maybe um, for fitness, or because we just heard yoga was um, good, maybe for our nervous system or for our bodies, for our minds. We want to kind of calm our busy minds, possibly. Uh, But as we practice, we then open up to different uh, experiences. And maybe I remember when I first started practicing, I had a lot of dreams, a lot of really vivid dreams coming up. I typically dream anyway and have always been fascinated with dreams and dream interpretation. But um, I remember you know, having a lot of really interesting dreams and trying to uh, figure out what the deeper meaning was behind them. And sometimes also when I go on retreat, and maybe you've had this experience as well, or I've been in Mysore, India again, I'll have a lot of like vivid dreams, like the unconscious is coming up to the subconscious mind. And then that's trying to inform my conscious mind about something, some aspect of myself or some deeper thing that I'm um, maybe grappling with. And, and so then we turn often to other types of spiritual sources or practices, maybe tuning into our intuition more, maybe starting to read Eastern philosophy, dipping into some of the other practices and paths like Buddhism or Taoism, um, and tuning into nature. And I think nature is a big part of the Ashtanga yoga practice, you know, Uh, watching the moon cycles, paying attention to the moon cycles, paying attention to the way that nature affects our energy, paying attention to our own personal cycles, especially as a female practitioner, noticing sort of how hormones affect your performance physically, emotionally, mentally. Um, So we start to like go deeper into these more intricate aspects of ourself. And then maybe we even open up to the idea of archetypes using tools like the tarot or tarot cards using maybe um, other types of card decks angel cards or uh, inspirational types of messages we start to kind of open ourselves up to look for messages around us you know what is the higher meaning of numbers what's their significance and maybe we start to explore things like the I Ching even which is the ancient uh, Chinese sort of um, divination tool and so today we have a really interesting guest on our podcast Carrie Hone her uh, website is Cafe O Soul And she is an expert in dream interpretation, as well as looking at the significance of archetypes. And she's going to share with us uh, her passion for ancient traditions like the I Ching and the Tao, the Tao Te Ching and Taoism as as a philosophy for life. And... Also, we're going to go into some of the dreams that I had, actually, right before we recorded this episode, looking at some of the symbolism in a dream that I had, and talking about how our collective wisdom um, informs how we function in the world, and also how we interpret things like the tarot, or astrology, or the I Ching, or even just an inspirational card that we might be drawing. And so... She's just a really interesting, beautiful human being who is uh, offering all kinds of fascinating divination uh, readings and tools, and we thought it'd be fun to have a conversation about oracles, archetypes, the Tao, and how we're all connected, right? I love that... um, belief that wisdom that consciousness is connected and so looking at how eastern philosophy interprets this deeper connection that we all share 
um, between us. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. It's a fun conversation. And I hope that you walk away feeling inspired. Maybe you pull a card. Maybe you do your own reading. And, and just keep going deeper, listening to those inner messages, those deeper unconscious, subconscious messages that are coming up from that place of inner knowing, from your highest, wisest self. And I think when we start to really listen and tune in to those messages and whatever signs and symbols we're receiving from around us, it's always a reflection of that deeper knowing and that inner wisdom within us. So once we tune into that, then we can never be guided wrong and we're always on our path and our journey um, is always moving us towards our freedom, towards our liberation and spiritual growth. So I hope you love this episode as much as we enjoyed recording it. So let's dive right in. Hi, welcome to the Finding Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Harmony, and I am here with Russell Case. Oh, good morning. Hi, we're joined today by a lovely human. Very interesting. We're going to have quite the conversation today, I suspect. Carrie Hone. Hello, Carrie. How are you? Hi. It's nice to meet you guys. Yeah, it's great to have you on our show. Tell us a bit about how you got into all of the things that you're into. Oh my gosh, I don't even know where to start. How did your spiritual journey begin? Well, I mean, I would say that most of what I do is like really keeping our ancient wisdom sort of alive. And I also do a lot of work with uh, nature and, and learning from nature. Um, but I guess I would have started with, um, you know, working with dreams. I think as a child, I just had a really, uh, I, I, I was, I, I see dreams like poetry. They speak mm-hmm. metaphorically. They're symbolic. They move us emotionally the same way metaphors in a poem, you know, might do. And, yeah. I don't know. And so I kind of have always been on sort of a journey of speaking a different language, right? Like uh, um, yeah. understanding, yeah, understanding kind of maybe, so I would say decades, I mean, literally decades and decades, like almost almost a century. <laughs> no, I'm not that old, but um, of just sort of, <laughs> of just sort of like putting my ideas out there, um, sharing with other people and learning from them, you know, and, um, and, and the whole nature thing, I, I use nature and this is where my, I, I'm, I would call myself a Taoist, you know, I, when yeah. you look at Taoism compared to any other philosophy, it's not really a religion, it's a philosophy. Um, mm-hmm. other, you know, other thoughts, let's say, you know, back in 500 BC, everybody was sort of trying to interpret nature in sort of a human perspective and the Taoists were like looking at nature to try to understand the human journey. So mm-hmm. Taoism is really founded on nature. And there's a lot of writers like myself um, that, you know, uh, Dwayne Dwyer or uh, Eckhart Tolle, you know, there's a lot of writers that are really pulling a lot of Taoism ideas from the ancient, you know, Taoists or whatever, because it's so timeless, you know, the yeah. the, the way that nature is so you know perfecting itself and what we can how we can learn to be stronger more productive uh happy in our uniqueness you know those are the sort of lessons that i take away from studying nature i i understand that you wrote a um a translation of the Tao Te Ching. is that right that's right i wrote a translation of the Tao Te Ching, and i have a translation of the Yijing. and i actually have oh. My website, Cafe Soul, has a free online Yijing, and it's number it ranks number one in the world. And if you did free online Yijing, my site comes up. So oh, I, you know, amazing. yes. And so translating the lines of the Yijing, you know, was kind of that I think made my work popular. Um, oh. I just, you know, and I and I in translating the Tao Te Ching, like I don't see the Tao Te Ching as something written by a man named Lao Tzu, like you know. I see it because I had already studied ancient Chinese philosophy. I could see some of Guangzhou in there. I could see some of, you know, all the different thinkers and their ideas. And if you've ever read the Tao Te Ching, some of it's repetitive. Some of it is the same idea in a, in a different form, maybe even with a little bit of Kung Fu Tzu. And um, so the translation of the Tao Te Ching 
what I did first and then what, working with the easing, I don't know. It was just, it just spoke to me. Like I, we got married and had a baby. <laughs> that was my, <laughs> and, and I, that was my interpretation of that text. When I was in, in high school, I picked up, or my, probably my brother gave me um, a copy of, the, of Stephen Mitchell's translation of the Tao Te Ching. I, I found it so revelatory, and it, it seemed to kind of like, um, like an earworm. It just, just snuck its way into a kind of pattern of, of being where maybe it was just very comfortable for me personally, but I just found that sitting and waiting for the right opportunity, you know, being aware to, to opportunity, being aware to synchronicity and the right rightness of a moment was, was just like, Oh, this is the best way to live. And I was, I was enraptured with the, with the book. I love how it starts by, you know, the Tao that can be named is not the, Tao, yeah. you know, you can't. I love that it, and it, and it's also very poetic. Like I was saying before, I feel like the, you know, that it speaks to us in in its poetry, and it, and it, some people have described it as, it describes what Tao is not. Never tells you what it is, but yeah, for people who get it <laughs> and you know allow the text to, even though to, you know initially with our logical you know orientation to life. We might look at it and go, oh, it doesn't make any sense. But if we mm -hmm. allow it to teach us to think differently, to think, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I love one of the ideas I take from Taoism is be the guest, not the host. You know, mm -hmm. that, if, if you can apply that in your life or, you know, just follow it, just saying yes, have yes be your only word when somebody mm -hmm. asks you something, you know, or it's so simple. It returns you to such a simplicity. You know, one thing that always I think of when I think of the Tao Te Ching is is the be like water. You know, it flows mm -hmm. to the the lowest places. Yet it's you know it can carve out stone with its its softness, and it's just there's so many beautiful metaphors and just poetry within the Tao Te Ching. Mm -hmm. I I remember when I was in maybe high school, the Tao of Pooh was oh, right. such a like yeah. popular yeah. book. Everyone yeah. was reading the Tao of Pooh. And then the Tao of Piglet. Those were like funny. some of, yeah. I think, maybe my first introductions to Taoism. But then when I was in China in 2002 and studying Buddhism, we went to Buddhist um, monasteries and temples. And then we also, of course, went to Taoist temples as well and it just really spoke which are which are which are much older you know yes, uh, Taoism yes. is older than Buddhism yeah right yeah, like I see Buddha, I see uh -huh, exactly like Taoism and Hinduism came together in Buddhism right mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. you know but yeah, Taoism some is, right I found it really interesting being I, I you know I'd I'd gone to live in Asia because I was so kind of fascinated with the different thought styles of of being and I and I just felt I felt you know a, a call to go and I taught English in Korea for a year and it, one of the things that I was kind of stunned by was the kind of organization of society along um uh Confucian and and Taoist principles like that that in Korea still they 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 feel that you know a child should follow a discipline of order and structure and uh, respect, and then as an as an as an older adult, you flower into a kind of more uh, cosmic and intuitive being, and that's it. Seems like that's such. It flips our society on on head, you know, where we think you know children are are at play and and adults are very much you know disciplined at work. I was, I did, did you do you find that at all that it's that 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 um perhaps helps you uh, navigate uh, navigate this this world that we live in in, in um, the Western Hemisphere. Well. Um, I'm, I'm, I mean, when I look at like the ancient Chinese philosophy that like, would, would be 
somehow in all, a lot of those Asian cultures heritages, right? Because they were mm -hmm. moving around and um, there's definitely, like I see there's a sense of Confucianism that is all about doing what's best for society. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, being, it's kind of a picture of working in, within the whole and which is why I, I, I teach compassion as a path to enlightenment, but not in the way that you would normally think about. We can talk about that later. Um, but, but in terms of like the uniqueness of, um, okay, so, and that was the other thing I was going to say is there was a lot of the ancient ideas that would have been more Wangsu and some of the others that would have been considered more mystical. And mm -hmm. uh, when, when communism became such a force and did away with anything that would have had any kind of like um, hypnotic, mystical, uh, takes us away from the task, you know what I mean? It was, mm -hmm. those, those ideas were all kind of pushed aside. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I, would, I could see how a society would provide first a sense of structure and then when you're when you have proven yourself to be a good human being you can you know go out but it's, but but in my opinion you know what i take away most is that um like you were talking about the tao of poo and the tao of pig that i was reading the tao of physics <laughs> i'm very much yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i have that one too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. so fitch of capra right so right. um it, i like to look at nature and you know like there's two ways of looking at life. One is that you get kind of lost in, oh my God, climate change. And there's this heat wave hitting everybody in fires. And there's, you know, there's, there's always something going on, right? Like, is it mm -hmm. good or bad? I think Taoism really teaches you to like stay in the middle. I think Buddhism teaches that to the middle way. And, yeah. you know, don't make, don't have judgments or don't, you know, but when I look at nature, okay, I can hear it as like a song that's been playing for billions of years. It's just, you know, we showed up seconds ago. Can we destroy yeah. this world? No. Can we destroy ourselves? Absolutely. You know, like, you know, but so yeah. I, I study nature to say like, you can see over time, like all of the things. Um, one, one idea I like to use a lot is when you see, have you ever looked in like the sunset and you see like a, those new insects that are in like a swarm? You know, like I forget. There's a oh, word sure. yeah, yeah, like yeah. little yeah. like tiny flies and stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when I look at that, I think this kind of keeps me really rooted in in a Taoist idea. That is nature expressing the best that it is right now in that image. And in the same way, there's a baby being born, and there's a little monkey being born, and there's an elephant being born, and a fish, are, and you know, it's like nature has been perfecting itself for billions of years. And each of us is a unique variation, you know, like the whole reason for sexual reproduction was to take binary fission where everything was the same and give it an opportunity to be better. And so each of us, even among our siblings, each one of us is a unique combination of a DNA that keeps like sorting, resorting itself. I mean, that's the whole reason for entropy is it allows for the diversity of um, something better. So in my opinion, nature's on a march to something better. We're, we're just here because we happen to be created in that march towards something better, but we're unique. So there's a place for conformity. There's a place to where compassion, I, you know, like I see it as a way to en enlightenment and, and, oh, by the way, you leave the world in a better place, <laughs> but, yeah. but I think it's more important. And Taoism taught this too, that, it uh, the whole idea of Tay, Tao Tai Jing is Tay is not virtue in the sense that these are the rules and once you show us that you can follow the rules, then you have virtue. You know, they would say it's more important to be authentic. I don't know. Right. That was a long answer. <laughs> Sorry about yeah, that. No, it's cool. fabulous. Yeah. That's, that's exactly why we want you on the program. <laughs> uh, can can you tell us a bit about? Um, uh, forgive me for always wanting to start at the beginning. Um, <laughs> but uh, were your parents into this sort of thing? Would you identify yourself as someone uh, um, uh, who is in um, harmony okay. with your, your parents' <laughs> ideals or antagonistic well, to what their way of life? 
Okay, so I grew up in the 70s, so I didn't really have parents. <laughs> I mean, most people... <laughs> I'd be in the generation of, like, the Brat Pack and Breakfast yeah, Club right. and, like, you know, we, uh, so we, never, we didn't really have parents. But I, I you know, while my, my parents' parents were very religious, I was lucky to have a mother who... Uh, you know, like the first book that she gave me when I was asking about religion was The Source by James Michener. You know, so oh, I'm like, tw- wow. I'm like probably ten. You know, yeah. reading reading that, and uh, so so I was lucky, and sh- and also my mom really gave me an appreciation of nature. Like we mm-hmm. had constantly had animals in our home having babies, and like I don't know where mm-hmm. she'd find them, and you know. So, and I lived in I lived in Ohio. Like I actually grew up in northern Ohio, oh. you know, and had a big valley, and you know. So I was always outdoors. So I I would say that um, you know not my I'm not I'm not like my parents now. Like they're they're definitely following. I guess because of their age, they're more in that fear space of maybe right you know kind of conservative and but but um but i definitely you know and and this kind of goes to that dna thing i was talking about i didn't really grow i I have not grown up with my father but he was like an inventor uh at general electric and i feel like a lot a lot of like i'm a musician and i you know poet and a lot of my Mm -hmm. inside conceptual stuff i feel like comes from him but i really wasn't raised by him yeah. Uh, what, well, I'm trying to think of the word and the kind of where you can create spaces that like how a book can write itself. Yeah, like you open yourself yeah. up to this creative energy that comes through you and, and creates yeah. like invention or works of exactly. art. Or... That's, right. that's yeah. what I look for when I'm in my studio is like, how can I put myself in a position where the painting makes itself? Yeah, that's what exactly. that's right. but, it, but it's also not great. <laughs> because when Why? the painting makes itself, it's done. You, you don't get to enjoy the process. Oh, it just—it's all over so quickly. It's so nice uh, though. No? So as soon as it, it starts is. to make itself, it's like it just like slips out of your hands. Uh, it's like, oh, this uh-huh. is going to be done, and I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you authored seven books, so you're definitely in that flow of creative inspiration. And your mm-hmm. books, I think, are about like this inspiration that you draw from nature and dreams and Taoism and, and oracles like the I Ching and, and interpreting um, these signs and synchronicities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's so interesting because I have a synchronicity that for our podcast today, for our conversation, <laughs> because yeah. I also um, have had very vivid dreams most of my life and love thinking about sort of deeper meanings and dreams and the subconscious and and what they mean i had this dream this morning oh yeah that was very vivid so i'm gonna bring it up and let's see what we can figure out are you up for that carrie i I mean i don't know if you're being (laughs) (laughs) i mean i don't want to get too into the details and also you know with dreams it's always kind of weird they kind of fade as as the day goes mm-hmm. on, but um, I was having this dream, and I have a f- these friends that are a couple, and one is very much in the spotlight. I mean, they're both kind of in the spotlight in in sort of a collective um, Instagram kind of way. And anyway, I was I had this very kind of intense conversation with the one with the male in the couple and he was like looking like a skeleton and like completely emaciated and mm-hmm. I was talking to him and telling him I didn't think he was in a very healthy place and that it was time to make some changes and then as we were talking then he got like really overweight <laughs> and- and I was like, in my dream, I was like kind of confused because, and then I was still saying like, listen, you're like in an unhealthy place. And so it was very interesting because it was like, I think like mm-hmm. the subconscious, you know, and also oh, yeah. in dreams, I realized like 
different people or representations of, of right. your own psyche, right? Okay, so let's just stop at that point. I don't know if the dream goes on. Yeah. Um, what, no, that's so, like the main part of it. <laughs> okay. So, so, <laughs> so uh, when I, uh, and I've been doing, again, I've been uh, working with people all over the world for many, many decades, uh, you know, on mm-hmm. dreams. And like uh, other people who have, worked with dreams you start to see kind of like a pattern so i Mm -hmm. i my interpretations blend both freud and Jung. like i really think freud had a lot of great ideas about condensation about how like i always tell people look for the most unusual like in your case the fact that the guy is emaciated and and then fat or you know like the part of the dream that people most want to dismiss is probably the biggest um key clue you know, yeah, yeah, um, totally. Okay, so and then Jung is the one who really pioneered a lot of the ideas of like the anima and animus, like that all mm-hmm. that everybody's psyche has a combination of a masculine and a feminine um, identity, and right. and and so like whether you're looking in astrology, you see it with the sun and the moon, or you know, dad and mom, and then me and my you know assertiveness versus my in, intuition, you know. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like. You, you can see this man in your dream as part of a couple, I would say, well, we're looking at sort of the balance um, of the sensitivity right. and aggress- aggressiveness. So whenever I hear a woman describing a man in her dream, it always leads me to feel like, okay, this has something to do with work. It has something to do with like uh-huh. you're exploring like how, you know, uh, how to promote yourself or whatever. So, so all the people in our dreams are a reflection of us. And so to make it easy, we just say, well, what's, you know, when this person shows up, even when they're movie stars, like I think Brad Pitt, I don't know if he gets paid for this, but he's in everybody's dreams. And the reason is, (laughs) the reason is, is because he's got such a blend of a feminine masculine, you know, he's got like a sensitivity. And and so for whatever reason, he's in a lot of people's dreams. (laughs) But anyway, so so we say like, how is this guy mirroring something that you're doing? And to be emaciated and then fat, my immediate idea is instant gratification, that something's not fulfilling, but then the things that you do to make it okay. So it can be like overspending and marketing. I mean, you'd have to sit and think about this one. But that, that is the, the, the weirdness is the message. Um, and then you kind of think, well, how is this describing something I'm doing? In what way am I not getting what I need? And then in what way am I overdoing? And I think that may yeah. be why he was changing shape. But anyway, I just wanted to like grab that piece. Of what, go ahead. What else happened? Oh, I love that. That well, Honestly, that was like the main part of it. And I was like, this is so <laughs> interesting. There's something here about this. But like, what is well, it? Well, are you sure it's not about your boyfriend getting fat? Because <laughs> I was really skinny when you met me. Yeah. And that's now... The- that's the thing about <laughs> that's the thing about that's the thing about life is we're probably wrong. <laughs> it could be anything. <laughs> don't take any don't take anything too serious. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. And I didn't you know like the, I didn't relate it to work and and that's sort of a like the masculine feminine thing is mm-hmm. is something that um I kind of am aware of and like the aspect of these people being projections of your own self or psyche or aspects of yourself but bringing it into that sphere of like being and doing right like the working mm-hmm. or the receiving mm-hmm. um yeah that's which is that's which, interesting which, and it brings up an interesting thing on the male side you know a lot of times male men are having sex in their dreams with women <laughs> and it's not necessarily mm-hmm. their partner let me be the first to tell you no i'm kidding oh dear <laughs> but you know this is what yeah yeah this is why i think young did such a fantastic job describing um, the kind of the trickster female. Okay, so when a man dreams of like a a crazy lady, you know, that's the, that's his yeah. first encounter with his feelings. Like some somehow he was taught to believe that don't do that. The boys don't have feelings or whatever it is. And a, right. and when the copulation is taking place in a dream, that's usually the blending of the masculine and feminine. And it and you could say on one hand, oh, it's just the release of. Freud's idea of the libido or whatever. And that's probably true too. But there is also something there, you know, about 
blending, you know, some sort of, yeah. you know, so I would say when a man is, has a woman in, in his dream, no matter what's going on, and even if, you know, it's something that's sexual, you know, what part of his sensitivity is she representing? And, right. um, and there is like kind of a transformation. Anyway, just wanted to add that. Would you say that it works the same? Like if a woman is dreaming about having sex with a woman in her dream, is it also Absolutely. related to like yeah. the female yeah. and the yeah, feelings because, you know, and the emotional aspect? Yeah. I mean, because, you know, I work with a lot of people about their dreams, you know, so they're sharing a lot of um, tender or things that they're not like sharing with other people or whatever. And, and I do notice that when a lot, I've had clients who, whether it was at, as children think, you know, or maybe have had, had a dream and they wonder if their sexuality is now in question because maybe they had right. a dream about it. It's very common because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's the same thing. <laughs> And, you know, like, for example, if a woman has a dream of, of mounting her boss, you could say that there's, that this is just symbolic of her trying to rise in her position, you know, like mm -hmm. dreams are just cryptic and symbolic. So just because they have these sexual elements, you know, that it doesn't mean that there's like, oh, now it's time to question your own sexual orientation. Maybe it is, right. you know, maybe, maybe yeah. that is what the dream means, but, but yeah, you know, we we can we can dream of the most ridiculous pairings or you know yeah. but again you know i think that i i love the the aha i call it in every dream there's one the thing that's out of place the thing that most people want to dismiss because it seems so odd is always the clue and the and the yeah. and like night nightmares and the reason that we get so emotionally charged from our dreams is is the same way that a good poet gets emotionally charged by reading the poem. Dreams are meant to shift our emotional condition, you know, like if they mm -hmm. didn't, if they didn't impact us so threateningly or fearfully or, you know, f you know, crying or whatever, mm -hmm. um, we wouldn't change. And I think, you know, again, going back to nature and what nature's doing, I think we were designed to have almost half of our day in a condition where we can be opened, open up our self-limiting ideas for the possibility of growth. Because when we're asleep, aspects of consciousness, you know, some parts, some parts of the mind, you know, are still functioning. You know, our body's in a paralytics condition, uh, things that have to do with logic that would give us a sense of what we would call real or not real are no longer at play, but we're still conscious in, in some sense, you know. But mm -hmm. be because we have this sense of wonder and openness and anything's possible, the mind that would create a lot of walls. I mean, really, if you think of ego, it's really just the face of our defense mechanisms, right? I think Freud oh, said yeah, that. I love that. It's, you know, and so it's yeah. kind of like we live in that. And, it, and I'm not knocking ego because we need it to survive. But um, if that was all we had, we'd all be automatons we'd all be alike, you know, we'd, oh, what do yeah. we need today? We need bananas to survive. Where's everyone going to get bananas? You know, like, <laughs> and uh, back to the idea that we're all unique, you know, the only time we can really hear our drummer is when we go into that sleep state. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think dreams are time. so powerful for like tapping into that, the, the deeper messages, the deeper knowing, the deeper sort of signs or signals that your subconscious mind or your body or like that that higher self whatever kind of you want to call it the 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 part of ourselves that we don't okay. necessarily listen to all the time because we're stuck in the personality the and flashing red light on the dashboard yeah exactly. yeah those, exactly like the warning signs yeah. or even just like messages right we can mm -hmm. really kind of tap into that and and it can help direct our path in a way that's uh -huh. more intelligent and, and I, more authentic yeah more authentic exactly yeah i have a a bit of a poem i wanted to to read to you carrie um did you write it for me no I'm oh, kidding. <laughs> i looked it up for you that makes a difference <clears throat> i'll look for you in old honolulu San Francisco or Ashtabula. You're going to have to leave me now, I know. But I'll see you in the sky above and the tall grass and the ones I love. You're going to make me lonesome when you go. And I only just found out like a couple weeks ago that Ashtabula was in Ohio. 
Right. And I'm just wondering if that song, are you from Ashtabula? <laughs> and because you mentioned Northern Ohio. Exactly. And is that mm-hmm. how you ended up in California? <laughs> Exactly. And I'm on my way to Hawaii, by the way. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, no, I'm not from Ashtabula, but I know where it is. And I I love how Ohio has a lot of really cool names (laughs) of towns or beaches. Like everything I grew up with, you might have this in Canada, where everything is named after Indians. Yeah, that's right. Yes. All of our parks and... You know, being a kid and, you know, all those crazy names. But, yeah. Um, but yeah. What, was that really, really a, a question or did you have a question? It really <laughs> was a question. I, I want to know how you 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 went from oh, Ohio to California. living with your parents in Ohio <laughs> and kind of having uh-huh. a kind of mystical bent to you. And then, you know, high school comes around. What happens next? Okay. So um, my family moved out of Ohio uh, when I was still in school, um, by the time I was in high school, you're not going to believe this, but I was 15 years old and I had my own apartment and I was working. Wow. Yeah. So oh. I, you know, I kind of really took care of myself at an early age and worked and finished school. And, um, so that was kind of like we, I was brought to California, but I kind of got out on my own really young. So I've I always had I always had that little suitcase of magic, right? That because when I was little, I had um, something that was called temporal lobe epilepsy that created what would be called kind of an out of body condition. I had it at, at very young, so I had like a lot of mystical stuff and a lot of re- the reason that I delved so deeply into comparative. Uh, religion, philosophy, mythology, you know, is to try to understand what was happening. <laughs> why, am, right. why is no one else going to the places, you know? But anyway, you know, yeah. just to make a long story short, when I, so I worked in my early years in import-export, which led me to become a clothing buyer on Rodeo Drive, like the job oh. every, every woman would die for, and <laughs> only because I had the import-export background, but it was, you know, I was traveling around Europe, staying in in mansions or you know hotels five-star hotels going to the runway shows and it was like so i kept having a dream that i was i'd be getting on the plane with everybody but i didn't have my makeup and in the dream i couldn't go like it was so important and so i started thinking you know it's like i have to paint this face and i left that job to pursue this path of doing, you know, following my drummer, you know, I did, I taught a lot with East LA kids. Like I taught art classes for six weeks with kids at risk of joining gangs. And then in the nighttime, I go with the elderly, you know, that are about to transition and I would teach them about writing, you know? So it's kind of like, I've, I followed my drummer and my drummer didn't, didn't let me down, even though I was like walking away from living in Marina Del Rey and (laughs) having like this cushy job driving a really fancy sports car. Anyway, I don't know if that gives yeah, you that some idea. Yeah, that takes so much courage. <laughs> it's, well, it's you know, also kind of, yeah, go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to say, it's. I'm really fascinated by your airplane dream because that's a reoccurring dream that I have. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I'll, I'll say like once a month, I'll have a dream where I'm at the airport and something really bad has happened and I can't get to the gate. Like I'm either stuck on a bus or I'm stuck in the hotel room or I'm, I can't, or I've like my, there's something wrong with my luggage. I can't get to the gate to get onto the, the actual airplane to get to where I want to go. And I'm just freaked out. And is that kind of the same dream that you were having? No. No, because again, it's always the weird thing. Like in my dream, it's like, well, what was weird that you couldn't go on the trip because you like, I'm going to Paris. I'm going to be walking down, you know, the place (laughs) where they have all their makeup. I go, you know, that, that it had more, my dream had more to do with the false face. You know, really I would be in, I'd be watching what was going on and people are dropping enough money to, you know, feed a third world country on a barrel with straps because someone said that's the fashion. It was really jarring, you know, to come from Ohio and not know how to hold my fork (laughs) and having everybody like hootie tootie. And anyway, so it's very common. The airport dream is, has a lot to do with the ambition. 
we fly, you know, we're going to the next stage. We're, you know, so um, I always say like the transportation symbols in dreams relate to motivation. Cars, boats can involve emotion. So I see like the airplane going to the gate and all that has a lot to do with um, aspirations. Now, when you say, then you stop and say, well, why can't you get to that next level or to that flight to this place you want to go to your mm -hmm. ambition? You know, is there something about luggage? Well, then that would have to do with carrying something that maybe you need to let go of or retrieving something out of the luggage that might be necessary for the future or, you know, mm -hmm. to, you know, see what I'm saying? You kind of have to go back yeah. and look at well, why couldn't you go and what does that mean? And the luggage could be you know, metaphorical or, or literal, you know, like, like we have these dogs that we don't need. <laughs> Be, oh, or I could stop. just be hanging. <laughs> I could be hanging on to uh, a subconscious desire to stay, you know, within my my own um, work social class. Exactly. Not exactly. Wanna, you know, I you know, in, when I I have a dream dictionary on my, on my website as well, and I kind of started with all that actually. Um, I classify purses, luggage, wallets, and keys, or I kind of grab them all together because they all have mm -hmm. to do with identity. They have to do yeah. like like we if we're having an identity crisis, or changing maybe got a divorce or changing something, we we lose our ID or we lose our wallet or you know we go to life stages and that can happen, and luggage and moving trucks or trucks and stuff they usually have something to do with carrying something and it's and I'd say in more cases than not, it's mm. it's it's not to carry it like really mm. like the present is so perfect for now that, and that's another thing that goes with Taoism is minimalism. <laughs> Let it right. go. You know? yeah. So, so it would be hard to say unless there was some key piece that maybe you're not acknowledging in the present that you need to revisit, you know, that generally the luggage is not needing to be going with you and that, and it's weighing you down and keeping you from the net going to the next level. Yeah. Mm. So interesting. You know, there's there's something else in your bio that I think uh, could help our our listeners and help help us understand what you do. I, I wonder if you could describe um, the the archetype of, of oracles that you you invest with. What does that mean, and how could that help okay. me? Okay, okay. So when you know, like I said, when I first launched the Dream Dictionary, this was back mm -hmm. when people weren't really didn't really know that their dreams had any relevance. I mean, you today, you guys, I don't know how what age group you guys are in, but the younger generation just takes for granted that that, that information about dreams was always out there. It wasn't like a lot, a lot of what was out there was kind of hocus pocus, what you'd get in a fortune cookie, you know, like right. if you do yeah. like this, you're going to, yeah. Okay. So, um, but the, th the truth of the matter is that most people don't remember their dreams and we're designed that way. You know, like yeah. we, we, I always describe it as we have two sides of the brain, the right brain, the symbolic, the holistic, the imagery driven, creative is more engaged. Now, this is a, certainly nobody knows anything. <laughs> so this is just one idea of explaining it. There's one side of our brain that is that, that accesses kind of dream content, but we wake up in the other side, the survival driven ego, left brain, language, logic, whatever you want to call it. And that's why what you go from one to the other and you forget the dream because you're in a completely different headspace. Um, so most people don't remember their dreams and whether or not we remember them, they're changing us. So I, like I said, I feel like it's an evolutionary mechanism and it does, we just, you know, when people are recording their dreams with me and we're doing really, you know, one-on-one -on -one dream work, we start to see the synchronicities. We start to see it takes about two weeks before the content that's being explored in a dream takes place in experiential reality. So it's, you know, it has, um, it has an effect whether or not we are remembering our dreams. But back to your question about the oracles, what I find is, okay, so because people don't remember their dreams, I started to use similar archetypes in the way that they are with the oracles as a way for people to explore similar content. And when people would bring a dream and an oracle reading, it was the same message. And, mm. and the oracles, like if I use the tarot in the West, 
there's a lot of the same ideas like that we were talking about kind of um, shadow devil like the cards like have the yeah. tower you know the earthquake dreams or dreams yeah. about natural disasters and then if you look at the Ixing is more of the eastern approach and so to me if you approach the oracle with the same mindset that you would if, if you're dreaming which is openness don't abuse it like don't sit there and keep asking the same question or you know but if you approach <laughs> it like hey I want to kind of, what do I need to know today, you know, to be stronger, better or whatever, it'll answer. And like I said, if, the, if a client would bring me that answer and their dream, you would see they're saying the same thing and that's synchronicity. And I want to mm -hmm. hear more about why you called your dream synchronicity, but that's synchronicity is that at some point you start to see the same message is in an oracle, it's in a dream and it's on our path. We're, yeah. we're telling ourselves the same thing. I love this. I think it kind of connects into another topic that I, I believe that you love to research and learn about and talk about. Um, and it's something that I tell Russell all the time, huh? but that consciousness is connected. Oh, that. <laughs> and and I, I like this idea of synchronicity and like universal consciousness. Consciousness is connected. You know, I think there's sort of this Unity. You know, I don't know. Unity. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to say a hive mind, but like a higher mm -hmm. intelligence that we can tune into or not. Right. Mm -hmm. and, Which can, it, and it takes us back to what we were, you know, the beginning of our conversation about the Tao Te Ching. You know, today mm -hmm. there's, there's scientists that are working overtime and they've been doing it for centuries, you know, trying to unify all these forces and fields and, you know, trying to understand how, how it, why it takes an observer uh, to, you know, to get a result when they're doing measurements at the quantum scale and all these crazy things that are going on. And way back when someone described the world as Tao, which is the unity, yeah. expressing itself in the yin and yang, which would be similar to the field and the force, you know, mm -hmm. the, the like mag electromagnetism. There's a force and then it creates a magnetic field, which pulls the force, which creates another magnetic field. And it propagates at the speed of light across space. Um, and that could be, you know, yin and yang. Um, yeah. So, so of course there's unity because there's Tao and I'm calling it Tao. But again, it's the wrong word because we don't know what it is. But we know that there's something very benevolent and good and seeking something better. There's a force out there that's pushing us all to be the best that we can. And even though times can be challenging and we've been going through it in all different ways for many, many years, even though they're challenging, you know, there's a, there's something coming out of it, some kind of change for the good, you know, mm -hmm. like if, if we'll see one day, you know, that there was a reason that these things had to happen. That's such a, that's so fantastic. It, it reminds me of the, when you talk about the field and the force, it reminds me of the, the, the light experiment that demonstrates that light and energy a, is both. Right? A, par a particle as well as a wave, which is like a kind of wave. You can think of, you know, your consciousness as a kind of Atman, but also there's a Paramatman. So you're like exactly. a unique point of consciousness, but you're also all other consciousness. Right, it's, which um, is the wave, right? The wave, yeah. 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 So it's, and we're all the points. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day and I was like, you know, I was thinking about um, what do you uh, not resurrection, but when you um, come reincarnation. Back, reincarnation. I was like, <laughs> and it suddenly occurred to me: is like, there's no, absolutely no reason why I would have to be reincarnated on Earth. I could just as easily be reincarnated in Alpha fucking Centauri. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, that'd be different. Or that'd some other different. or some other dimension we don't know of yet, <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> like I mean, at some <laughs> at some level, time is sort of eternal, so yeah. it, it all has to be kind of simultaneous. And there's so much yeah. about, you know, like there's a lot of theories of like the super string and waves and yeah. all the ways they're trying to describe reality um, that are requiring dimensions and in mm -hmm. part, as part of their formula. <laughs> and who knows? Yeah. That, that's yeah. why uh, you know you get to a place like. That's what's so great about the Tao Te Ching is it's so like we don't, you know, we don't need to know, but what, you know, 
it's better to just follow and be humble and yeah. be the valley mm -hmm. to the empire and you know and and your life is so much more full like one of the greatest things i always say is we don't know what we're capable of until someone asks us to do something <laughs> like we don't know right. our gifts until we're giving to someone else this is part of that compassion as a path you know like mm. it's so you know there if you just like let go of all the worries and just put yourself out there to to be a better you know to have an experience in the world where you live in a better place not not out of judgment but just you know by saying yes because life's bringing mm. you something you know all you have to do is say yes yeah, I, I love that that idea, and it, I've heard it kind of in a few different ways, but this idea that, um, you know, we, we go around looking for our life's mission or our purpose or our dharma, but what our purpose is, what our mission is, what our dharma is, is what is right in front of us. It's what's coming to us. And mm -hmm. sometimes we're overlooking how we can be of service in the moment for some, like, grandiose sort of vision of, like, you know, something bigger or more meaningful, we, you know, in our own perception, but, but it's all those little things like it's, it's selfless service, it's life as a support or service to others that creates the meaning that creates the Dharma. And when we can take those opportunities, like you're saying, to say yes, to, to um, recognize, to realize our gifts in service to others, then all of a sudden, you know, the universe or God or consciousness starts to bring us more things and, and because the energy, yeah. the energy flows like that's, yeah. part, that's being in flow because that's why I think I, I describe compassion as energy. Like, mm. it's not like, like there's some people that would say, Oh, compassion is a virtue and be good because being good is the way to be good <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is, yeah. but that's not yeah. what compassion is. Compassion is, is being wise enough to know that you're not the host, you're the guest, and that everything is unfolding perfectly. And once you can get that into your reality, then you make yourself a vessel for other people to be filled. And that so, brings so much more joy and makes life so much more dimensional. And, you know, so compassion, yeah. like, is a way of releasing energy that that's flowing through all of us anyway, so that we can share it. And, uh Yeah. Mm, so beautiful. And then there's that. No, I'm kidding. So I have a friend that says that all the time. So then there's that. <laughs> there's that. I, you know, I, I was talking to my mom the other day, and I and uh, she said something that I, I thought was super interesting. She had a kind of, um, she's having apocalyptic thoughts, and she was thinking about, you know, moving closer to us in Canada where there, you know, there'd be water and less fires and less earthquakes and stuff. And, so, and um, of course we don't want her living near us. Um, but, <laughs> and then there's, um, that. <laughs> you know, there's, and there's that, you know, but it's, I'm noticing that a lot of popular media, popular, um, uh, you know, movies and things that there's a lot of, a lot of anxiety about, uh, uh, end of civilization, end of human uh, species, uh, um, apocalyptic notions, and mm -hmm. and I'm interested in in your perspective on on say end How of life fits. or <laughs> or death. You know, people, you know, coming to terms with the with you know these anxious these natural, natural disasters, yeah. yeah, right. Okay, so in in dreams that natural disasters are a good sign that there's some sort of reworking of a foundation so that something more productive is going to grow in its place. And that's kind of what, you know, we can look, watch a hurricane blow through, but we know that it's just decreased the ocean temperature by about five degrees as it, you know, it's moving water from a rainforest over to the other side of the earth. You know, it, the way that the climate is moving together to try to balance out and regulate the earth's temperature, that's what mm -hmm. nature's doing. Now, mm -hmm. what's man doing? Well, they're not, you know, taking, they're not honoring the idea that maybe some of the things that we're doing is creating heat layers or whatever they call it, where the heat gets trapped in the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so so there's things that we could do better. And, and you know, remember back in Ohio, I don't know, if in the 70s, the fish would go to the beach to die. 
when mm-hmm. I was a kid because there was so much pollution in Lake Erie and we mm-hmm. had a river, the Cuyahoga River caught on fire. This is why I'm a kid, you know, but they, yeah. people came together and they worked hard to change whatever was polluting the lake. And now people have a normal experience. We had to jump over dead fish as kids, you know, so, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, so we still, we have the chance to do something you know, but are we destroying the earth? No, because before we could ever come anywhere near that, we'd be wiped off the planet in the same way that there's been millions, not millions, but many extinction events. You know, when mm-hmm. life was st- first on this planet, it was kind of in a bacterial form, binary fission replicating itself. And then uh, there was a type of plankton that started to photosynthesize and started releasing oxygen into the atmosphere. That's how our oxygen came from. But it killed everything, all the animals, mm-hmm. you know. So, Corrosive. Uh, right. So you could say, is that bad? Was that like, is that the apocalypse of the time, or what did it mm-hmm. lead to? It led to a different kind of life. That's where binary fission became sexual reproduction and different kinds of cells and different kinds of uh, life forms and diversity. So, so like I said, it's not my business to run the world. And would I prefer that we weren't facing a lot of this? Yeah, but it doesn't mean that there's anything, you know, bad fundamentally in the world. I can still follow a path of being the best I can be in the moment and, you know, not not be judging everybody because we have different ideas and opinions and, you know, so, but I am confident in knowing how long it's nature's been doing this perfecting and cleansing, that it's going to sort itself out. Mm. We don't have to be biased to, to think that it has to include human beings, but it it will be (laughs) sorted. (laughs) Exactly. And, and, and hopefully that's part of what we're learning is in our evolution. Maybe who knows, maybe when we all dream, talk about the collective, Carl Jung wrote a lot about the collective unconscious. And I see it too, you know, where people, you know, there's dreams, searches will be the same for some reason, you know, like, mm-hmm. however it's working, the zeitgeist or whatever. Um, but there, you know, we will come to a place where we will think differently, I believe, like, there's people that say climate change isn't real and there's people that say it's very real and you know somewhere we're, we could be wrong about it all we just don't know but we you know we're we're going to learn that would be my answer yeah. that's we're that's what we're doing is learning yeah i like that because it all it almost takes it out of again like that binary um analysis of like you know, just using this as an example, climate change is real, climate change isn't real. But, you know, when you kind of step back, it's, it's like, you know, it's a, there's a bigger picture. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing as climate change is potentially just the planet rebalancing itself and healing exactly. itself. Mm-hmm. And so it sort of makes the argument I mean, like that dualistic point of view kind of uh-huh. so small that it's like, you know, how can we support a bigger vision? Like how can we support healing the planet rather than like arguing about climate change? Do you know what and I mean? Like, why, I don't know yeah. if it's a, a perfect it's, example, but it, it sort of it made is, me think why, about you know, One of the best parts of Taoism when I'm working with people who are trying to understand it is the, the concept that of getting away from the judgment of good or bad and right and wrong. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's the greatest thing that Taoism teaches you is just to, not, you know, you don't know. Like, that's why I say that so much in my conversation. Sure, you can ask me a lot of questions and I got a lot to say, but do I know? I'm not sure. <laughs> like, how yeah, can I know? <laughs> it's yeah. like, life, life is what it is. But um, so, I, so we just don't know, you know, but yeah. we can certainly, that's where, you know, the compassion idea you know, I, I hope I don't mean to destroy the whole idea of compassion by just no, calling I think it energy, it's but it is. I think it's energy. Yeah. 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 Just, just before we, we finish up, I'd, I'd like to go back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if you could talk to us about how you, you, you left this very glamorous position on Rodeo Drive and you were starting to do work with, um, 
uh, communities in, in need. And yeah, and I, I wonder how do you go from there to writing seven books? How does that transition happen? That seems like such a gigantic leap to make for the the but it, average it really, person. You know, it really wasn't because um, part of like back in the 90s, this would have been uh, before, right. In fact, I was driving through Watts during all of those riots. And, you know, I think after Rodney King, you know, because I was teaching in a lot of those East L.A. schools, I was doing my little, you know, program <laughs> mm -hmm. like, like oblivious to how dangerous it was or whatever but the reason I was doing it is that I I felt so strongly that creativity had a place in education it was the mm -hmm. only thing that allowed a child to not fall prey to peer pressure it's the first chance that kids get to know they even have an inner drummer so mm -hmm. my program was really to bring the arts to education and I was doing it with the elderly too because they were you know kind of in a you know, I actually did, did a big uh, art thing, an art show using like I, I was t using like classes of, of uh, acting classes or whatever drama. And I had different programs for the elderly to put on the art festival for the community. Like they, a lot of them were living in L.A., didn't even have children there or whatever. It was kind of a cool thing. But um, so so but it was all coming from that idea that. The same thing where I was interpreting dreams, that there's a side of us that is guided by our inspiration and creativity. And if that doesn't have an expression in our world, then we're all going to turn into, you know, automatons. Does mm. that make sense? Into AI. Yeah, <laughs> yeah into AI. Because the, the glamorous job was uh, just an opportunity to say no in a sense mm -hmm. of sacrifice I you know mm -hmm. to walk away from that when everyone was telling me I was crazy it was like it doesn't feel authentic mm -hmm. what, what's going on it may you know there's a lot of people that may enjoy that you know who's doing what and Joe did you see this and the gossip and the you know trends and the, whatever it is I'm not knocking it but it wasn't for me and in that mm -hmm. search for authenticity my creative blossoming you know, music, books, whatever, you know, this is the same stuff that was giving me, you know, out of body experiences as a kid, you know, that the act, I have a, that temporal lobe excitation mm -hmm. in the right brain <laughs> also yeah. makes me very creative. So anyway, I hope that answers yeah. your question. That's, yeah, yeah, it's incredible. Well, well, what are you working on on now? Uh, you have a, a some super incredible podcast that dwarfs videos. that dwarfs ours. It's <laughs> <What? laughs> videos, a YouTube channel. Oh, videos! Yeah, my my YouTube yeah. channel. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, I I that's called Nature's a Guru on YouTube, and uh, yeah, I I work a lot on putting out these snippets of why we need to like learn from nature and i know that's a really funny thing to say right now when we're like afraid of what nature's doing or afraid of what we're doing mm -hmm. to nature but yeah. i think that the the sooner that we recognize why nature designed us the way we are why why it is our mother in a sense or our you know father or our creator yeah. or our whatever the, the mm -hmm. more we'll appreciate it and become the guests, which means we're not, we don't throw a party in the host's house and, you know, leave beer bottles all over, or, you know, right. we, we recognize that we're in a very profound space that we need mm -hmm. to take a moment to really appreciate. And so, yeah, yeah just to answer your question, I'm doing the videos. Um, I, I, I kind of, you know, I still, I do a lot of coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, but as you know, I'm, whenever a book is coming, it's like having a baby or music. I did two albums. Um, wow. It just kind of comes and does its own thing, <laughs> and until I feel that you know coming through, I don't know that. So I never really know where, what I'm going to be working on. <laughs> yeah, I I say this I say this to people all the time, and it's and it's I feel very much Taoist uh, when I when I say this. I have no idea what I'm about to say. <laughs> no idea what's about to come out of my mouth. That's I'm just sitting watching 
what biz- bizarre absurdities come out to try to amuse people. <laughs> it's so perfect. That's what's so perfect. <laughs> I, I, mean, that, I love that. that that's yes. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. No, um, I love that idea that you just, you, you know, spoke of, of, of changing our relationship to our world, to our planet as, as being like In stewards. Yeah, 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 right. And, and, and it's a whole shift, you know, when you're talking about compassion as, as energy, which I think that is what emotions are, right? Like energy mm-hmm. in motion is like what moves us, what brings all of these different layers of emotion up and out or, you know, into the world is this internal opens a, energy. And it opens a door. Like yeah. compassion is to say, I'm not the most important thing in this moment right now. Yeah. 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 That's a, it's a real shift in our center of attention instead of focusing on me, my, and I and focusing on, you know, sort of the world around us and people around us. The way. I mean, yeah. When, yeah. When you were talking about, you know, the, the slit, slit, I forget what they call it. They yeah, would the slit shoot, experiment. Yeah, they'd shoot the light through the fold oh, yeah. the slits, and and if and it would portray itself on a piece of paper on the wall as little dots, and then sometimes these they would show like a wave pattern, and so ultimately yeah. what came out of that. And, and I'm only saying this for people who didn't who didn't know, but so we know that light is both a particle and a wave, and in the same way, everything is both a particle and a wave, as are we. And I think yeah. when we're in ourselves. We're the particle, but when we open to um, that the the flow, we're part of the wave, and it. I think we're, it's much more. It's much. It's not only joyful, but it's invigorating and it's uh, mysterious and and stills a lot of wonder when mm-hmm. we're yeah. flowing in the wave. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Now I'm getting too woo-woo. But, no, no, that's, no, well, that's beautiful. That's a, that's a, a wonderful way, I think, to to end it is with that. And that's mm. – uh, I just I just want to say how much I, I appreciate your perspective and coming on the show. And, and, I, and if we could spend more time going through each of our individual dreams and synchronistic moments <laughs> in our life, that would be great. <laughs> And if people want to do that, they can come find you. Yeah. Can they can they go to cafeosoul.com yep. to find you? Is that the That's best right. place? That's okay. the best place. I'm sure a lot yeah. of people have been thinking about their dreams this morning and <laughs> what sort of help they could get figuring out what they need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be wonderful. If they, if they don't remember their dreams, there are the oracles there that they can begin to yeah. have a, a little private conversation with themselves. That's why yeah. I kind of called it Cafe SO, like have a, a, inspiration served daily while you have your cup of coffee. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Lovely. I love it. What a gorgeous mission and vision and name for your website. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's really nice to meet you guys. And I, I really appreciate, you know, you inviting me on your show and getting to know you both. And <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. our kind pleasure. Of ri- taking a ride to the universe. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, magic carpet ride. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode of Finding Harmony. With me, your host, Harmony Slater. You can find out more information on my website, harmonyslater.com. And I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Standing in eternity's shadow, watching the breaking waves, there's a hard wind and the soil is dry.